2: WNYC Studios. Oh wait, you're listening <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> you're listening, listening to
0: Radio Lab. Lab.
2: Radio Lab from <laughs> WNYC. <See>? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> If you want to get g- grosser, I can always get grosser. Oh, I will, um, I'm ready
3: to get gross. I'm ready okay. to get gross. Let's talk and about like, this stuff. Hey, I'm
1: like Lulu Miller. Lot of and this is Latif Nasser. This gross is, is Radiolab. And okay. today okay. I've got kind okay. of a personal story okay. Okay. for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> but okay, so the the baseline here is that I'm I'm like, thankfully, I'm a healthy person yeah. like i have no pre-existing conditions i don't smoke i don't drink nothing like that i am and have been for like the vast majority of my life like very lucky that way yeah and then about 10 months ago uh i started noticing blood in my poop
3: okay
1: like it wasn't painful or anything it didn't feel any different it was just like a shocking red alarm red alert <laughs> this is blood
3: And was it just
1: the once? No, no, no. It was multiple times. It was every day. Yeah, and 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 I was like, this is weird, and it's just not going Mm -hmm. away. Um, Mm -hmm. and so so I was like, yeah, I should I should talk to somebody. Um, so I go to a doctor. Um, eventually get referred to another doctor. Uh, I they go they put me under. I get a colonoscopy, and and basically, as I was coming out of the sedation. Ah, uh, she came to me, the doctor, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Okay, so you have Crohn's disease."
3: Wow! That day,
1: he's like right away. She was like, "This is, looks like textbook case."
3: Someone you
2: know is suffering from Crohn's disease moderate, or of Crohn's disease,
1: and and so I, like I knew enough that it's like okay, this is an autoimmune disease
3: of the gut, right? With moderate to severe Crohn's.
1: Yeah, it's like the immune system is attacking the digestive system, and and the main symptom is usually pooping all the time but i wasn't experiencing that so my doctor she basically gave me this low dose steroid one pill a day and she was like okay let's see how this goes and pretty quick it was not going well Ugh! so like i was pooping like five times a day ten times a day Aww. you know in like 80s movies of like kids at camp and then they give the camp counselor laxatives and then the camp yeah. counselor has to like run, to, run the to the thing bathroom. and yeah. that's what I was pooping like.
3: And is it, are you in pain at this point? Or? I, it wasn't really painful
1: so much. It was, like, it was frustrating and, and exhausting. Like, it, it just shut down my life. Uh, any, anything I wanted to do, uh, if I wanted to work, if I wanted to take care of my kids, like, like I just couldn't do it. And and as you well know, I get, like, worked up and really excited about a certain topic. And I'll be, like, researching a thing and working on a thing. I'll be so excited about it. I will want to do nothing but <laughs> live and eat and sleep and breathe that thing and dream that thing. Yeah,
3: text about that thing and call people about that thing. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: And I, I do this all the time. But especially when things in my life get hard like it's a it's a coping mechanism for me and um, at this moment in my life you know in this particular hard time the thing that i was obsessed with the random thing i got fixated on was neanderthals hmm. why neanderthals okay so so when i say the word neanderthals you're probably picturing in your head like a cave person uh Strong but dumb and hunched over human ancestor, right? Yeah. Um, but it turns out in the last ten to fifteen years, we've realized that Neanderthals were actually super sophisticated, way more intelligent and capable than we thought, even artistic. Huh? Like they they were this bizarro version of us that mm. we knew and coexisted with for thousands of years. So to me, I see them as this long lost sibling, like that that can tell us so much. About ourselves and also about like Mm. what is even possible in the world so so i was like so i I was like so excited about neanderthals and i was just like trying to read about them trying to read about them and then i kept having to go to the bathroom and at at that point i was like spending most of the day on the toilet so i was like while i'm here i'm 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 doing this anyway (laughs) So I, I like so, the, and there was, was one point.
3: So I'm going to be talking to you today about um, some
2: of the topics that came up in my thesis. I was Not I was on
1: the directly. toilet on the phone. I was watching this lecture from 2018.
0: that I hope you uh, enjoy.
1: And this scientist from South Africa named Dr. Karen Warren. She's basically talking about our ancestral story. You may have learned it in like a biology or anthropology class. Basically, what happens is. We're all evolving in Africa. Uh, What happens then is that.
0: About 1.5 to 2 million years ago, Homo erectus.
1: Homo erectus, this ancestor of ours. Some of them leave Africa, which leads to an evolutionary split. The ones who left for Europe and Asia, those ones become Neanderthals, while the ones that stayed in Africa eventually become us, Homo sapiens. Fast forward a million years.
0: Humans left Africa. The
1: Homo sapiens. um, Some of us leave Africa. We reunite in Europe with our long lost Neanderthal cousins. And ultimately, we kill some of them, out compete some of them, and also we have sex with them.
0: So there was a big party, and there was a lot of kissing cousins back in the day.
1: before we potentially helped drive them extinct we were we were we were actively getting it on with them um and and as the video explained this interspecies lovemaking is actually how we got to the humans that most of us are today uh homo sapiens with just a few neanderthal genes in us
3: I feel like this is a moment to tell you i got like on 23 and me i'm like as high neanderthal as like a human can get i'm like a
1: really
3: yeah huh
1: okay so I'm sitting on toilet watching this talk. Talk ends, Q&A. In the Q&A, there's one thing she says, the
0: question then becomes
1: sort of totally offhand, that completely catches me off guard in this lecture, which is that she says that those Neanderthal genes still affect our lives. And one example is,
3: there are a lot of
0: autoimmune disease genes, a lot of immune uh, immunity genes in general.
1: We got several autoimmune diseases from Neanderthal genes. So I was like, what? So then I just opened a new little browser window and I Googled Crohn's disease, Neanderthals. (laughs) And there were all of these articles saying, yes, we got Crohn's disease from having sex with Neanderthals. And I just burst out laughing. It just felt absurd. Like, well, like how could that possibly, like how could two humanish creatures that had sex... A hundred thousand years ago, like I'm on the toilet now because of that. Like,
3: <laughs> like, how does
1: that make any sense? You know,
3: because of a clandestine interspecies love affair.
1: Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Oh, like who, but, what, what are the odds, right?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: So anyways, okay, so, so, so I'm reading about this. And as I'm reading all this, like my situation is getting worse and worse and worse. I was pooping like 15, 20, 25, even 30 times a day.
3: Damn.
1: It was getting, like, urgent multiple times. I pooped my pants. Uh, It was getting painful. Um, I was not able to take care of my kids, which I felt so bad about because my wife was taking care of the kids alone. Um, I I couldn't sleep because I just keep waking up having to poop. And then I was waking her up, too. Um, and, and And then after several nights of that, there was just one night where I was just curled up on the bathroom floor. And I was just like... I surrender. So my wife just dropped me at the ER and I just checked myself in. Okay, so I'm at the L.A. County Hospital. Checked myself in at like 6, 7 a.m., something like that. And started recording little, you know, voice memos. I don't know if it's just for me or if it's for a story or something. But. This is a public hospital, uh, so low ceilings, harsh lighting. Uh, there were a lot of people there who were in way worse shape than I was. People with drug problems, people living on the street, immigrants who had literally just come over the border. So when
2: you put it in the abdomen, you
1: they didn't have enough beds because of COVID. You want like that. It's or... fine. So it sort of got stuck in the oh, ER, no. w- you know, which is fine. It was <laughs> nobody's fault.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, it just meant I didn't have a bathroom. Huh. So, okay, in my bed, feeling the pinch here in my stomach, so I'm just going to go. Every time I had to go to the bathroom, I basically had to, like, sprint down the hall to the bathroom, to the public bathroom, well, knock on the door, and I had to be like, oh, my God, please, is there anybody in there? Okay. Nobody in here and then I would go in the bathroom. And I had to do this Sorry, in here. over and over.
2: Vu, just here.
1: And over oh. and over. I'm just so tired of this. And over again for a day and then another day. And I was just so desperate to think about anything but pooping. So I just was obsessively reading on my phone about the weird genetic legacy of Neanderthals. (laughs) Okay, that's Um, that's on brand. And I found that there were all these other diseases that scholars were speculating that we got from Neanderthals. Other autoimmune diseases, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, which my mom has, uh, type 2 diabetes. Another thing, they did a study of hospitalized COVID patients if you inherited this one snippet from Neanderthals, it doubles or in some cases quadruples their risk of, you know, like basically going to the ICU and or dying.
3: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. And and in that hospital bed i just i just had this image in my mind like for the last few days i just keep imagining these like tiny little neanderthals of tiny neanderthals and and in their hands were these tiny little obsidian hand axes and they're just like in the folds of my guts just like stabbing me and drawing these little droplets of blood out of me these little Cave people. Like it was like my like my 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 brother, my long lost brother was like stabbing me in the back, but like not the back, the gut. And they go to sleep at night and they take shifts and then the morning they're all just like hacking away at my little guts. I was like, oh. It felt so clear to me. I was like, this is this is their vengeance like like we Mm -hmm. exterminated them we killed them we genocided them and now they are coming for us they are coming for all of us and they're coming for me in this hospital bed in particular and they're not going to stop until they ruin my life yeah so that's what i'm thinking about a lot
3: After a quick break, Latif keeps digging into the story of his long lost brothers, the Neanderthals, and discovers a whole other side to them.
1: Hey, everyone, just wanted to let you know if you are a butterfly or mantis shrimp member of the lab, you're going to get some bonus content. Uh, on Wednesday at 10 a.m. next Wednesday. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil what it is. Uh, it, it is related to this episode. Um, and it's it's something I recorded during one of the toughest moments of my hospital stay. So be on the lookout. Uh, next Wednesday, 10 a.m. Uh, if you're not a member of the lab, you can subscribe at Radiolab.org/Join. Thanks.
3: Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/Radiolab today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com slash Radiolab.
1: Radiolab is supported by the John Templeton Foundation, funding research and catalyzing conversations that inspire people with awe and wonder. Learn about the researchers making the latest discoveries in the science of well-being, complexity, forgiveness, and free will at templeton.org slash podcast. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You can just say stuff and you can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore. Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's on the
2: media from WNYC. Find on the media wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Lulu Latif, Radio Lab.
1: So, after a couple of days in the ER, I got some good news.
2: Yeah, we're good to go whenever you um, are. What's the address? Um, 1500 San Pablo.
1: They actually found a bed for me.
2: Yeah. And they told you about where we're going, right, Keck? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got transferred. I basically went from a public hospital that was a mm. really, really, you know, resource-strapped, desperate place to a very right-across-the-street, wealthy hospital. It's like a palatial hotel. Where I had my own room. I have a window and a big big suite with a couch and a bunch of chairs and art on the walls and, uh, oh my God. Uh, a bathroom, a private bathroom with a shower. Yeah. I have never been so excited to see a toilet in my life. <laughs> oh, this is luxurious. <laughs> jubilation. My doctor is here, so this is gonna be a lot easier, I think, hopefully. Yeah, feels like I am on vacation or something. Uh, it's like a crappy vacation because i my body is miserable. But uh, but there's art on the walls, I guess. Yeah, it was like a like I like a huge breakthrough. Um, they gave me all these IV uh, steroids and this like big gun uh, biologic drug, also through an IV, and basically between the combo of that, I all of a sudden like got some hours at night to sleep. And then also at that point, my wife brought my computer. And so then I was like... You
3: could step like, up your research game. <laughs> I could
1: step up my research game. So I was like... Uh, I think we're, uh, we're all good. Poking yes. around. We, and then I came across uh, an article you know, co-written I, I by this guy.
2: I'm uh, Mary Gökčuman. I work on evolutionary genomics. And
1: in it, he argued, did we get Crohn's disease from Neanderthals? No. No? The Neanderthals aren't entirely to blame. Huh. It seems to me that Crohn's disease
2: is actually older than neanderthals older than humans that
1: crohn's disease or at least some genetic variations predisposing us to it developed all the way back in homo erectus the homo erectus group in africa before you know they were spread across the world
3: oh wait so this kind of contradicts what the other scientists found
1: yeah this kind of confused me too um but they, they actually don't contradict. So, so it turns out for a disease as complicated as Crohn's, there are actually multiple parts of the genome that contribute to it. Uh, some of those did come from sex with Neanderthals, um, but a lot also came from before, you know, we or they even existed. Uh, and, and for that reason, Omar says... It's more accurate
3: to say that we share Crohn's disease with Neanderthals, part of our legacy in a way.
1: So I was kind of Back to square one, right? Yeah. But also, I felt like, like with all of that interspecies sex happening, they must have given us something,
3: right? I'm just watching your need to have a research question. Is that, yeah, that's probably <laughs> it. That's probably it. That's probably it. Uh, because otherwise, you're alone in a hospital room wondering about the rest of your life.
1: Right. But I have this question. Great right?
3: question. What do you find?
1: Okay. I find myself reading about this one particular Neanderthal skeleton that they found, uh, the okay. so-called Old Man of Shanidar. Shanadar one. This is Penny Spikins.
0: Professor of the Archaeology of Human Origins, University of York. And as she told me So this is in Iraq.
1: The Kurdistan region of Iraq.
0: Yeah. And he's really, really remarkable because he's someone who suffered a series of injuries, perhaps in something like a rockfall, we just don't know. Um, has a one withered arm, um, one damaged leg, probable blindness in one eye, and partially deaf.
1: Um, mm. Like, this is someone who would not have been able to provide for himself. He should have been dead shortly after these injuries. But um, but based on the condition of his body and the condition of these wounds.
0: This is a, an individual who lived for sort of 10, 15 years after those injuries. So they must have been looked after by others.
1: Other Neanderthals.
0: So, so just imagine,
1: like, and you're, you're in a small tribe of people, like maybe 10 to 12 people, this guy can't leave the cave every morning to go get food, right? Um, but, like, this guy also can't defend himself if a cave lion or something comes up and hmm. tries to attack him. So someone actually has to stay behind with him to take care of him constantly. Not
0: just for a short time, for actually a really extended period of time. So it's really quite a sort of profound thing, really.
1: And while this old man of Shanidar is an exceptional example of this, he's not unique. Most of the Neanderthals we find have got some injuries or illnesses that they've largely survived. We have more and better evidence for Neanderthals healing each other than we do from modern humans at the same time.
2: Really? <laughs> okay. All right, let me And clear like enough. I
1: was learning this in a hospital bed where I was being Good morning. Cared for. How's everything good? Everything's going good, how are you? It's fine, Like, you. honest to God, like genuinely well cared for. anything
2: else, any discomfort? Okay, yes. then, so I'll bring you some stuff, like so bunches, like salt.
1: Okay, like, great. By total strangers. Even that first hospital where I was stuck in the ER, they gave me great care too. Do you, do you want me to uh, bring you anything? No. Uh, I'm okay. Come Oh thank you. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. You can gain another pound. Oh yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Trying to fat me up, huh? Okay,
2: great. I, like I had this,
1: I had this vision, just like I had the vision before of like these Neanderthals like knifing me. I was like, no, 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 wait. What if it's the opposite? Like, what if we mm. instead? What if they gave us the idea of healthcare and even more deeply, like like compassion and empathy? Like, what if Neanderthals gave us our humanity? <laughs>
3: I love that idea. Is that is that something other people are would would agree with you on? Well,
1: so okay, so I ran it by Penny.
3: Good question.
0: That's a really good question. Well, we don't know.
1: She was basically like, "There's, there's, there's literally no way to know." We
0: do have evidence for modern humans being cared for. It's not that they weren't caring for them. Um, yeah. It's just slightly more patchy evidence.
1: Largely because the the modern human fossil record is a lot. Uh, is kind of worse. And in a way, it makes sense if you think about mm-hmm. it. So, like, Neanderthal remains, right? Because Neanderthals were basically in Europe, mostly. Um, there's more universities and archaeologists and things like that in Europe who go out looking for these things. So,
0: we don't know. I mean, that's part of the frustrating thing about the archaeological past, having these little insights, you know, these little little vignettes of what's happening, but then losing quite a large part of it as well. So,
3: beautiful thought, but maybe not <laughs> Tr- truthy. <laughs> okay, it feels
1: like a stretch because it is a stretch because we don't have the fossil record to prove it.
3: But, but, but,
1: but it's not, th- th- there, there is at least one thing that Penny sort of, hmm. uh, a, a, a crumb that Penny threw me that I think still holds. <laughs> you're, ha- um,
3: you're hanging on, you're hanging on. Okay. okay. Yes. What is um, this? <laughs> which, is,
1: which is this. In a cave in northwestern Spain, they found the 49,000 year old remains of this Neanderthal called El Sidrone 1. In the mouth of this Neanderthal were two things that were notable. Mm. One was a dental abscess that looked very painful.
3: Ow! okay.
1: And uh, the other thing was tartar buildup. Um, Like
3: calcified, like fossilized, like tooth gunk?
1: Yeah, exactly. Tooth gunk.
3: Okay. Uh Uh, And
1: and from that, these archaeologists, they basically like excavated this like tartar (laughs) and were able to figure out that this Neanderthal was eating poplar leaves, which are... Bitter-tasting leaves with no nutritional value. Okay. Why? Why would this Neanderthal be eating poplar leaves? Because poplar leaves contain salicylic acid, which is the active mm-hmm. ingredient in aspirin.
3: Do humans have poplar, poplar leaves in their teeth?
1: So, so we don't have any other evidence. It's very hard to find evidence, but we don't have any other evidence of humans using aspirin, huh. basically, huh. at the same time. And Penny says, look, that makes total sense. Neanderthals, they were in Europe for way longer than we were. They knew the plants. They would have figured out some ways to use those plants to help them. And
0: modern humans coming in won't have known where to find painkillers. Right. They won't have known where to find the antibiotics. They won't necessarily have known, you know, how to make a splint or whatever they were using. So I'm sure they learned from each other. Modern humans may well have been quite dependent in
1: some ways.
3: So, okay, so they didn't give us necessarily our compassion, our hospitals, or our humanity. We can't they say that. Have given We can't us... say any
1: of that, even though I feel it in my heart. We can't say <laughs> any of that. But what we can say but is maybe they gave us aspirin.
3: Maybe they gave us relief from pain.
1: Yeah.
0: So there is that sense, isn't there, that maybe if you're going to be ill, you might be better off amongst the Neanderthals. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness me.
3: So wait. First of all, I mean, we've been talking for a long time. Are you okay? Do you need a bathroom? You don't have to fake it. You can uh, just
1: go. To quote my doctor, um, mm-hmm. Doctor Odufalu, who's awesome. Uh, I am quote basically in remission. So I'm I'm in I'm I'm back to normal. I'm in fighting shape. Uh, podcasting shape, um, <laughs> as they call it. Okay. They just told me that I am good to go. So I'm like disconnecting my heart monitor here. Yeah, but I'm doing alright. I'm doing
3: alright. Less time researching from the toilet?
1: Less time researching from the toilet. Still If I'm being honest, I'm still researching from the toilet. I
3: mean, me too. Aren't we all? Thanks so much, Andrew. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm going home. Yeah, thank you.
2: Thanks again, everybody. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Andrew. I really
3: appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm going home. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again, everybody. I really, really appreciate it. Radio Labs, Latif Nasser. This episode was produced by Simon Adler.
1: Special thanks to Ainara Sistiaga, Carl Zimmer, Carly Mensch, my GI doctor Florence Damilola Odufalu, and her entire team, the staff at L.A. County USC Medical Center and Keck USC Hospitals, really everyone who worked at both of those hospitals. And, of course, thank you to the Neanderthals.
3: And uh, before we go, if you liked this investigation into of gut and deep history. Um, our colleagues at WNYC have a brand new investigative podcast out. It is about New Jersey and crime and a murder mystery, a potential political murder mystery. It is uh, hosted and reported by WNYC's senior reporter, Nancy Solomon. And I have to say, it's really good. I'm addicted. It's called Dead End. It's from WNYC. And I'll play you a short clip. <laughs>
2: 911, where is your emergency? Uh, yes, Meadow Run Drive in Skillman, New Jersey.
0: In September 2014, a crime on a suburban cul de sac shocks New Jersey's political world.
1: The mystery deepens over the death of John and Joyce
2: Sheridan, a prominent New Jersey couple with powerful connections and close
3: friends of Governor Chris Christie. Portorially methodical and human. Um, I think it's a podcast. You would like if you are curious about our world and the nefarious forces controlling it. Again, that's dead end. Find it wherever you get podcasts.
2: My name is Michael Snyder, and I'm calling in from Kansas City, Missouri. Radio Lab was created by Jad Omrod and is edited by Soren Wheeler. Lulu Miller and Latif Nasser are our co-hosts. Susie Lechtenberg is our executive producer. Dylan Keith is our director of sound design. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Jeremy Bloom, Becca Bressler, Rachel Kusick, W. Harry Fortuna, David Gable, Maria Paz Gutierrez, Sindhu Niana Sambadam, Matt Keelty, Annie McEwen, Alex Neeson, Sara Kari, Anna Ruskoet-Pas, Sarah Sandback, Arian Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster with help from Carolyn McCusker and Bowen Wong. Our fact checkers are Diane Kelly, Emily Krieger, and Adam Schivel. Thank you.
3: Hi, this is Beth from San Francisco. Leadership support for Radiolab science programming is provided by the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation, Science Sandbox, Assignments Foundation Initiative, and the John Templeton Foundation. Foundational support for Radiolab was provided by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation.